Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Edelman. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. That is me. Thanks again for those returning listeners coming back to the show for more. If you're a newcomer, thanks for stopping by and uh, giving the show a try. If you are a returning listener, wherever you get your uh, copy of the Pipeline Show, please uh, leave a comment or a ranking or both if you have that ability. That way, uh, newcomers who just stumble across it might uh, be able to, well, they might be encouraged to uh, follow your direction and uh, give the show a try. A special thank you to everyone who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash show. Hope you're enjoying your uh, perks like early access. You get to hear all the interviews on the show uh, a few days, or pretty much about a half an hour, an hour after they're done, uh, usually earlier in the week, which is the case again this week with the interviews on uh, today's full episode. Patrons have been able to hear these interviews for two, three days already. So I appreciate everyone who has signed up to do that. You can check that out again. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show is where you go to do that. As always, we start with the question of the week, which is on uh, Twitter. Uh, And this week we wrapped up the NCAA uh, logo tournament for hockey. And it came down to a uh, fevered uh, pitch battle. Actually, you know what? The last couple of rounds were almost anticlimactic after the uh, Michigan Wolverines and the RIT Tigers met. In the Sweet 16 round, that was the big matchup of the entire bracket. Almost 2,000 votes total. Uh, And uh, the Tigers were able to uh, eke out a victory in that one uh, after a a very late comeback. They cruised on to victory in the entire thing after that. They uh, easily got past uh, Arizona State, and then they uh, beat Connecticut in the final uh, to uh, be crowned champions of the NCAA logo tournament been a long time since i had a guest to talk rit hockey on the show might have to uh change that here in the next little while uh, just because of that uh, that tournament victory let's get to some news and notes and uh you know what the big news of the week is a, a college hockey uh, story so let's go to that uh the long island university sharks are entering division one hockey they say they're going to do it this coming season so starting in the fall now, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, well, very knowledgeable hockey people, uh, college hockey people, kind of taking a wait-and-see approach to this because we're talking about four months from now. They don't have a coach. They don't have any players. They don't have a schedule. They're, the arena they play in is, uh, well, they're going to have to um, make do for a while. But unlike uh, Penn State, 
who had a new rink uh, a year or two after they started. Arizona State still, their building is uh, in the process of being made. It doesn't look like there is uh, going to be an arena fast-tracked for LIU. So a lot of people that I'm reading, uh, that uh, some of them have been guests on the show in the past, sort of taking a, uh, well, let's see what happens sort of uh, approach to this. But uh, this would be the 61st Division I team. Interestingly, because uh, Illinois, there was reports, I read the story on USCHO.com, that Illinois was ready to announce that they were going to enter Division I uh, hockey as well. Uh, but they kind of took a step back from that announcement because of all this uh, the global pandemic going on. LIU says, uh, screw that, we're announcing it, uh, and are, are jumping in. And again, it almost sounds like uh, to some people that I respect, they might be jumping in uh, before they're ready to do so. So we'll see how it all works out. But uh, I don't have a guest to talk about this this week, uh, but I will endeavor to do that uh, next week. Uh, on the show to get uh, a little bit more inside information on Long Island University's entry into Division One. Big story, though, for sure. New team in the Alberta Junior Hockey League as well, not for this coming season, but the season after. Uh, Blackfalls Bulldogs. Uh, the uh, Bulldogs will start play in 2021. And uh, if, you don't, if you're not from the province and you don't know where Blackfalls is, it's basically Red Deer, uh, just on the uh, northern outskirts of Red Deer which I want to say Red Deer might be the third. Uh, Lethbridge might still be the third biggest market in uh, Alberta, but, uh, boy, Red Deer has grown so much over the last uh, 15 years or so. Uh, it's got to be getting up there. Last week we had the WHL Bantam draft, and uh, the Bantam draft, so uh, I'm, I'm on record. I think the the draft should be a year later, like it is in the OHL and the Q. Uh, but in uh, the dub, they still draft uh, 14 and 15-year-olds, most of them 15. The uh, Smallest guy, Luke Court, might be Corte. Uh, the Kamloops Blazers, actually the three smallest guys in the entire draft, all go to Kamloops. Edmonton's got one that's also five foot three, but Luke Court, just under five foot two and 127 pounds. And keep in mind, we are talking about guys, uh, some of them, who uh, puberty hasn't kicked in quite yet. Emmett Finney, listed at five foot three and 110 pounds. The uh, Oil King, according to the WHL website, Luke McGrady, defenseman five foot three and 101 pounds then you've got the opposite side of the ledger uh, luke ashton uh, who was drafted by red deer six foot four 191 pounds ashton cumby drafted by the winnipeg ice six foot four 191 pounds and the big guy of the draft also for the red deer rebels Matteo fabrizzi of uh, st albert comes in at six three and a quarter and 222 pounds just turned 15. Good Lord. number of the players who have been drafted uh, have already signed and almost seemed like the, there were a number of signings done before they were announced. Some of them even before the draft itself started. Connor Bedard was signed before the draft started. I got the impression that it was the same with uh, Riley Height, who was drafted second by Prince George and Braden Yeager. Signed by the Moose Jaw Warriors, he was taken third. Lucas Dragachevic, who's uh, I believe it was his father, uh, coached at UBC for a number of years. He was drafted by Tri-City. Saskatoon, Red Deer, Seattle, uh, I believe Vancouver. They've all signed their first-round pick. The Edmonton Oil Kings did so uh, just a couple of days ago with uh, Dawson Seitz. Uh, so a lot of the players who were drafted just last week have already signed uh, with the WHL team that uh, selected them. So busy week for the WHL Bantam draft. 
Also got the official uh, confirmation from uh, Hockey Canada that the Holinka Gretzky Cup this year, which would have been in Red Deer and Edmonton in uh, early August, canceled. Uh, so they're not postponing it. They're not pushing it back. They're just uh, taking it off the books this year. Next year, it's back in uh, the Czech Republic. And in 2022, it'll again be back here in uh, Alberta. More than likely, one of the reasons that that happened was because the NHL has a desire to really finish the regular season, if they can, and to play a playoffs. Uh, and they're going to need buildings like uh, Rogers Place uh, available. So that took precedent, uh, in my opinion, over the Hunka Gretzky Cup for those uh, couple of weeks, uh, I guess about 10 days in August. A lot of speculation about the NHL draft. Not if, but when it's going to happen. So many uh, variables. We had Sam Cosentino on last week, and he uh, delved into that a little bit. Just so many moving parts with the, in terms of uh, the draft order. What happens with all the picks, because the, a lot of it is determined by the uh, playoffs. So really hard to tell what's how it's going to happen, uh, how they're going to do it, and uh, of course when it's going to happen. So much still up in the air. Uh, around the NHL draft. Now you start wondering about the start of uh, junior and college hockey seasons. Will that uh, be in a timely manner or not? I don't know what part of the world you might be in where you're listening from, but uh, here in Alberta, they've just started to make plans on how to kind of get everything back moving again in terms of uh, the economy and stuff. Uh, you know, Golf courses are opening up here on Monday, but some businesses with uh, some pretty tight restrictions are able to open up here in the next week or two. That's stage one, and if everything goes okay with stage one, and I think you probably got to wait at least two or three weeks to make sure that everything is uh, uh, okay, then you can move on to stage two, and then again, another two or three weeks after that before you can uh, determine whether you can uh, continue to uh, open things up. And then you might be talking about having uh, NHL games again, but without fans, and then you know you give that a couple of weeks and see how that's going. I don't know, to me, we're still probably two months, three months away from anything close to normalcy. But I'm no expert. Speaking of normalcy, some uh, NHL signings you can pass on. Emilio Pettersson uh, has left the University of Denver after his sophomore season. He signed on with the Calgary Flames. The Flames have been busy. They so they signed uh, Johan Kinval, who's playing with HV71 over in Sweden. They also just today signed a goaltender, Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips, not to be outdone. The Oilers have been busy as well. A couple of guys they drafted uh, three or four years ago, Philip Berglund, Marcus Niemelainen, uh, both of them defensemen have uh, now signed with the Oilers. They also uh, signed Theodore Lenstrom, another defenseman. He was playing with Frolunda, and uh, Brad Malone stays with the organization, uh, no longer has an NHL deal though, uh, but has signed on with the Bakersfield Condors. Some of the other big signings, uh, Nils Hoaglander signs with Vancouver, Samuel Bolduc with the New York Islanders, both of them drafted by those teams, uh, but those are key signings. Matthias Michelli as well, played for Finland at the recent World Junior Championship, uh, drafted by Arizona, and the Coyotes have signed him. All guests on the Pipeline Show, join me via the Troubled Monk hotline, uh, big news from Troubled Monk this week, that uh, you can get big cans of a daycation lager. Now they are uh, making the uh, Tall Boys in six packs are for daycation. You can still get your same day delivery in Edmonton, Calgary, and uh, Red Deer, Edmonton area, including St. Albert and Sherwood Park. Uh, order by one o'clock, you can get same day delivery. You order it through the website at troubledmonk.com. Also saw a post uh, from my uh, 
somebody on Twitter who's in Edmonton in the brewery district said there was a uh, like a pallet load of uh, of troubled monks hand sanitizer at uh, the grocery store near her. So you might want to check those out if you can find them in the grocery stores. Oh, also seeing that they have the open road American Brown Ale available in uh, the Tall Boys as well, so you can get that delivered. So lots of stuff happening happening with uh, Troubled Monk. You can follow them on Twitter appropriately at Troubled Monk. Now let's get to what's coming down the pipe this week. Short show, only two guests this week. Uh, I had a number of, number of requests out, but uh, only two guests that I had approached or solicited for a time uh, were available. Uh, we'll start with uh, Mike McMahon from College Hockey News. There's been a lot of uh, NCAA transfers of seniors or other players, mostly seniors, though, going from uh, one program where they've been the last three years to a new team uh, for their fourth and final season of NCAA eligibility. We'll talk to Mike about the uh, the transfer portal, how it works. Is it a good thing for college hockey? He'll tell us. And then uh, our other guest segment will be a 2020 draft spotlight uh, close to home here, the Spruce Grove Saints. Another strong season for the Saints, and one of their top players is eligible for the draft this year. He's a defenseman. His name is Ethan Edwards. You can get to know him uh, later on in the show as well. But we will start with Mike McMahon from College Hockey News. That's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, this is Scott Stanley, coach of the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Who's scruffy looking? Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Guy Fleming. The uh, NCAA campus report this week will uh, obviously feature uh, a guest uh, from the NCAA circles uh, who covers the NCAA. Of course, all of these segments are brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you are a player or you have one in your family that is exploring all their options, need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your NCAA eligibility, uh, get in touch with College Hockey Inc. or go to the website. Great resource. Might answer some of your questions right there, or you can ask uh, for Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, and they'll steer you in the right direction as well. Uh, my next guest uh, comes from the NCAA uh, media circles, uh, Mike McMahon, uh, one of the senior writers for College Hockey News. Uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Mike, how are you this summer? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. How are you? It's, uh, I'm good. Uh, weird days, though, right? Uh, what part of the world are you in, and what's uh, what's life like right now where you are? <laughs> Uh, I'm a little north of Boston, so we've been we've been in shutdown mode like everybody else has been for a while, a little over well six weeks or so now. So I, I'm fine with it. I mean, I I work from home most days, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of used to it. I think my kids are going a little nuts between not having school, and of course it happened right at the end of hockey season. So they they went from coming home from school and going to practice three four nights a week to 
not having school and not having hockey and not having baseball and not having anything. So right. <laughs> I think they're feeling it a little more than I am. Well, and I know you're doing work with Neutral Zone as well. Does that has the shutdown affected what you do there for them? A little bit. I mean, it hasn't affected it too much. Uh, a lot of our scouts were able to get to a lot of tournaments right before the shutdown happened. We missed out on a lot of stuff. We would have had, you know, USHL playoffs and uh, all the playoffs in the BCHL and the Alberta League and all that stuff that our guys would have covered. So we, we missed out on a, on a lot of that stuff. Um, but we had enough kind of from the early part of the spring that we still had scouting reports going up pretty regularly. And now kind of that time when a lot of, uh, a lot of kids in that 99 age group are committing to schools because they're out of junior eligibility. So we've, we've been really busy with that. There's probably been on average 10 or 15 kids a day, uh, out of that 99 group that are committing to either division one or division three schools. Okay. So still busy time. And, and this is that time of year where we see lots of, uh, transactions, especially with college teams right now. And a lot of, uh, players, a lot of teams using the, uh, the senior transfer portal and, and for, uh, uh, listeners who might not be uh, up to speed on how it all works, and heck, I'm going to learn something from this uh, conversation as well. Just break it down. How does that work, and maybe how long has it been in use? So the transfer portal has been around, I think this is its second year, and it basically is a way for players to announce their intentions to transfer. So a player, any player, it could be a player that's a freshman, decides, hey, I'm going to transfer. You enter the transfer portal. Every school, every coach has the ability to look at that portal anytime they want, and they can say, okay, these kids are posted in the transfer portal, which means they're allowed to talk to those players. Okay. Uh, so any kid that goes into the transfer portal can be, can be essentially recruited by another team. So essentially, it, just, it announces their intention to transfer. And we see it mostly happening with seniors because there's a, there's a graduate transfer rule in the NCAA where if you – earn your four-year degree and you're going to a, a, a go for a graduate degree, you can transfer to a school that offers that graduate program for a, for one, one time only without having to sit out a year. Okay. And a lot of players will either from taking classes when they were in junior hockey or taking classes over the summer, a lot of college hockey players are able to earn their four-year degree in three years. Right. So a lot of kids going into their fourth year, into their senior year, are able to go into the transfer portal as a graduate student and transfer right away without having to sit out a year. All right, so the grad transfer is one issue and the portal is a separate. Those are two separate entities. They kind of work together. Exactly, yep. The grad transfer thing's been in college for a long time. It not It's not a hockey thing necessarily. Uh, you were telling me before we started it's been you know popular in basketball, for example. Uh, before that, and hockey sort of clued yeah. into it here fairly recently. Now, the, the portal itself... Uh, is the creation of that strictly a hockey thing? No, that that's for any sport. So okay. uh, that happens a lot with basketball and stuff now, too. It was something that was originally pushed, I believe, by some of the bigger conferences. So the way the NCAA works, they have those Power Five conferences. Only one of them actually sponsors hockey, the Big Ten. But you got the Big Ten, the Pac-12, uh, the SEC, I think the ACC, and I forget the last one off the top of my head, the Big 12, I think. Uh, so those Power Five conferences, within the NCAA have a lot of autonomy to kind of make the rules. Uh, the NCAA, you know, they has given a lot of governance to the power five to make rules essentially for everybody. Uh, so I believe that transfer portal was something that was, that, that came out of the power five schools. Obviously it benefits them a little bit. Uh, it could hurt them too. Um, but it would benefit them a little bit where if you've got a guy who 
consistently in college, in college hockey standpoint, maybe goes and is a little under recruited out of juniors, goes to a smaller school, and then his freshman or his sophomore year really pops and becomes a star. If he goes into the transfer portal now, it, 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 it makes it easier for maybe him to try to transfer to a bigger school. Of course, it can work in the opposite too, where a kid uh, commits to a bigger school, maybe a more prominent, more powerful school, uh, underperforms, doesn't live up to expectations. Now that kid can go into the transfer portal and maybe go to a, a smaller school where he could be more of a standout player, more of a relied upon than the top six guys. So it works in both directions, but that, that's been around for a couple of years. The grad transfer, like you said, has been around for longer. It hasn't been utilized a lot in college hockey until recently. I would say the last two or three years. Um, but it, in football and basketball, it had been, it had been utilized pretty extensively. And, and I think, uh, I, I don't know exactly uh, why it wasn't prominent in hockey before and what kind of necessitated it becoming more prominent. I think schools have started to catch on that it was something they were able to do to try to help out uh, acquiring players, especially some of the schools that you know, maybe you lose a guy to the NHL that you didn't expect to. Uh, you, you lose him after a sophomore year instead of after his junior year, which is what you kind of were projecting. Now there's a place for you to go out and get an experienced player to replace that guy rather than uh, a freshman that maybe is on the younger side and doesn't have a lot of experience. Mike McMahon from uh, College Hockey News is my guest telling us about how the, uh, the transfer portal works. Um, now, it's only players put themselves into the portal, right? A team can't just... Uh, you know, they're basically going to cut a guy or something like that, so they put him in the portal. It's all players do that? The, the teams can't push a guy there? The, the players do it, exactly. I think, actually, I think the school is the one that has to put them into the portal, okay. but the player goes to the school and says, you know, I want to be put in the transfer portal, and they end up in there. I think that's done that way so the schools aren't caught off guard. Right. <laughs> you, know, you don't have a coach that, that checks in the transfer portal to see who's available, any new names posed, and all of them goes, hey, it's one of my guys. Right. Uh, so I think the school themselves, like the, the way it technically works is the school has to post the player, uh, but it's at the request of the player. Okay. Now, if a player's going, if a player's going to get cut, if a player knows he's going to get cut or is told he's going to get cut, he can ask to go into the transfer portal to, find a, to try to find another another team, obviously. Right. So it's almost a mutual thing. It, and for, I mean, for an NHL fan that doesn't follow college hockey, it's almost like the waiver wire, but the player initiates it. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. Well, that's yeah, very similar. Very similar. Interesting the way it works for sure. And I guess, I know when I've talked to players in, you know, sort of the CHL, the difference between the CHL and the NCAA, there's no trades in college hockey. The, the player commits to the, the program, the program commits to that player, and it all sounds nice and rosy, but say in year two, the coach that you committed to gets fired or something like that or leaves, uh, yeah. and then things aren't the same, yep. you might want a different uh, scenario. So this, to me, this sounds like it's a good thing, a positive thing for college hockey. Would you agree? It, it, yes, it's definitely positive for the players because it gives the players some more flexibility. Where, like you said, uh, players are committed. I, I think one of the issues now and one of the things that a lot of people don't really realize, the scholarships that these kids are committing to are essentially one-year deals that roll over every year right but a team can a team can stop that at any time they want <laughs> you know you could you could commit a kid to a to a full scholarship and after his freshman year go you know what he's really not somebody we want to invest a full scholarship in you could go back to that player and say hey we, we got to cut it down to a half or we're going to take it all away hmm. uh you know th there's some there's stuff like that and, and that would happen with teams so i think this now gives the players the opportunity where if they're stuck in a situation like that where they're told hey, your money's getting cut, or hey, your money's gone, it gives them the opportunity to say, well, then I want to transfer to a place where maybe I can get some money. You know, a, a, 
player that's getting cut at, you know, I'm just using these schools as an example, a player who's getting cut at a bigger school like Minnesota because they thought he was going to be a top six forward that they would invest a full scholarship in. And as it turns out, you know, he's probably a fourth line guy that they only want to invest a half scholarship in. Mm -hmm. Uh, That guy who gets cut in that situation from Minnesota might be able to go to a Holy Cross or an AIC uh, or a Sacred Heart and be a top six forward on a full scholarship. So it gives the players the opportunity and flexibility to get out of situations that are maybe unfair to them or, or, uh, and it also, in some part, it makes the coaches a little more accountable because if you really don't want to lose a kid, you know, it's hard for you to cut his money and, and have a kid to stay. So right. it just it gives a, an avenue for the players to have control over their own destiny a little bit and not kind of be beholden to uh, those those rollovers every year in their scholarship and not, have to, not having to worry about whether or not that money is going to stay the same. So the reason I wanted to talk about this this week is because there, there happen to be a lot of these happening right now. Is that just the timing because this is uh, the week or two after what would have been the Frozen Four and the National Championship? And so all of these types of things, this is sort of that time of year when they begin to do these? It is. Yeah, you know, the end of the season obviously is a big time uh, for the grad transfers especially. Uh, the transfer portal will heat up a little bit around Christmas at that semester break when the okay. colleges take about a month off. Uh, but really, this is the time of year where it really happens a lot. You see a lot of guys end up getting posted in there. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's that time of year. It's actually a little later. I think, you know, I think with everything kind of coming to a stop, there were some, some guys that were maybe waiting to figure out what they were going to do and what their options were, especially those guys that maybe could have signed. Um, maybe sign NHL contracts. We haven't seen as many NHL signings as we've seen in recent years. And I think that's because the NHL isn't quite sure what they're doing yet. Yeah. You know, and, and some GMs may be wanting to wait to find out what their season's going to look like and what their off season's going to look like, uh, before they start, you know, committing to players for next year. So I think that has started it too. I think there's been some guys that, you know, maybe could have signed NHL deals that in a normal year would have had those offers. And now because this is not a normal year, they weren't getting those offers, so now they're looking at an opportunity. Well, hey, maybe I'll transfer, go into the portal, especially as a grad transfer for my senior year, uh, and kind of put myself on the map even more. Uh, now, there have been a number of guys who have done so. Some of them have been drafted already by NHL teams. Uh, Johnny Taconic, one of them. Todd Burgess, another guy who has gone from uh, one program to another. I don't know if you have a list in front of you, but who are some of the notable uh, transfers in your opinion? Yeah, I, I don't have a full list in front of me, but Burgess is definitely one of them. Uh, he was a guy who obviously put up a ton of points when he was in junior hockey and uh, suffered an injury, I think, right before or right before he went in RPI or was his freshman year at RPI. Uh, and it kind of stunted him a little bit. Uh, but he's a guy that I think, you know, going to a program like Minnesota State, a uh, team that's been uh, in the national tournament or, or for a number of years and was one of the top-ranked teams in the country this year. I mean, if there was a Frozen Four, they very much could have been there. So I think he's looking at it as an opportunity to, to get on the map maybe a little bit more with a, a more prominent team. And in his case, you know, after next year, maybe he's looking at not signing. Uh, I think with the Ottawa Senators is the team that, that drafted him. Maybe he's looking at not signing and going to free agency. Hmm. You know, maybe that's a, that's a route he wants to take, or maybe he's looking at this going, Hey, Ottawa, you know, wasn't ready to sign me last year. Now I'm going to go and really blow it up and they're going to sign me next year. Uh, he's definitely one. Another guy uh, that I like a lot too, because I've seen a lot of him out here is Tim Gardy, who is at Maine and transfer to Penn State. Uh, kind of the same thing. You know, Maine's a program that's very good, um, kind of on the on the cusp of being an NCAA team this year. I think they probably would have been able to sneak their way in had we had an NCAA tournament. They were right in the bubble. Uh, but Penn State's a team that's been in there pretty regularly over the last couple of years. 
and he's going to go in there as a senior, as a grad student, who's really going to be relied upon to score a lot of goals and score a lot of points. So in the Big Ten, you know, you're on TV more, you're playing against um, those bigger schools like Minnesota and Michigan and stuff like that. I think he's looking at it as an opportunity to, to, to get his name out there a little bit more as well. From a team perspective, is this also a way for some of those bigger schools to get players to come in after they've lost players who decided to leave and turn pro? Exactly, yeah. And I think that's how the teams look at it. Is it's an opportunity to kind of replenish yourself. And, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, if, if you're losing a guy after his sophomore year, and as you were kind of projecting things out as a coach, you figure, okay, he's a drafted player. We're probably going to lose him after his junior year. Well, if he signs early, you know, now you're looking at, well, how do we replace this guy? What are our options? Yeah. Maybe, you know, before, before the grad transfers, your option was essentially I could take a guy that maybe I wasn't going to bring in at 18. I was going to bring him in at 19, have him play an extra year of juniors, and I'm going to have to take him now because I need, I need a body there to fill that spot. So now not only do you lose a guy early, but you're also bringing in another guy earlier than you'd like to. So maybe he hasn't uh, developed as much as you'd like to, to before he gets into your program. So it's kind of a, it's a domino effect. Whereas now, uh, teams can kind of use it as a band-aid for a year. You know, if you're a team that loses a guy to the NHL a, a year earlier than you expect, well, you could band-aid that spot for a year with a grad transfer, really not lose any ground because you're bringing in an experienced player. If it's a grad transfer, he's played, you know, three years. Uh, you're bringing in an experienced player, and it allows you to take your guy that maybe you didn't want to bring in until he was 19 or 20. It allows you to leave him in juniors and, and not stunt his development. Right, right. Uh, Mike, what do you got coming up next uh, for College Hockey News or for Neutral Zone? Uh, we're kind of in a <laughs> in a weird time of the year. Uh, we'll be covering some of the coaching changes stuff at CHN. Uh, Todd Woodcroft was just hired at Vermont last week or the week before. Uh, and then at Dartmouth, Bob Gaudet retired last week. So mm. uh, we're following that search pretty closely as well. Uh, and then at Neutral Zone, it's a lot of prospect stuff. A lot of uh, you know, guy, covering guys that are coming into college hockey. Uh, we're going to be launching a podcast here soon, talking to some of our scouts and some other guests. Uh, so we, we're, we'll be busy. We'll, we'll have a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff coming out for sure. Excellent. Well, we'll keep an eye out for all of that. Uh, appreciate you joining me today. Uh, stay safe. Not a problem. I appreciate it. That was Mike McMahon from College Hockey News. Also does uh, some writing work for Neutral Zone uh, Scouting Agency out there. And I did that interview with Mike. Uh, I want to say it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Anyway, it was like the next day that the news came out about uh, Long Island University joining Division One. So didn't have a chance to talk to him about that at all. Uh, but he's been tweeting a bit about it. And, of course, uh, College Hockey News has a uh, some reaction to it as well. I saw Adam Woden wrote a story uh, with quotes from people at the university. Uh, Adam is probably the guy I'm going to uh, try to get on the show next week to uh, talk about it. He's from Long Island, lives there. Uh, so right in his backyard, he'd be the the sensible guy to get on the show. So I'll reach out to him and see if I can make that happen. Uh, but interesting with the portal, I mean, there is, I mentioned it during that interview, there's so much talk, uh, you know, when you're comparing college hockey and, and major junior hockey, the pros and the cons, and it can be a pro or a con, but there's no trades in college hockey. And, you know, and I use the example that if you commit to a school, you're committing to that coach and that coaching staff and and the players. Uh, but maybe in year two, that coach leaves. Maybe he gets an opportunity to coach in the NHL or uh, he gets fired. Well, suddenly that's not the program that you committed to. You might want to change. Uh, or maybe you went to the school and things weren't working out for you. You didn't get ice time uh, and you'd like to make a change. And it can be difficult to do that. Uh, so this is an opportunity for for uh, players maybe to have that avenue to 
uh, make that change that they want to without having to sit out a year. I mean, there are some players who have done so in the years past. Uh, well, they'll, they'll go from one school to another, but then you got to sit out a, a year, and that can hurt your development. So on the surface, I think this is a I don't I don't see a downside for college hockey. Uh, but if you disagree, if you see how it could be bad, uh, let me know. You can follow me on Twitter at tps underscore gee. Right, only one other uh, guest segment on the show this week. It's a, a player who is eligible for the 2020 draft, so that means it's a draft spotlight segment. Played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League this year, but will be going to the NCAA. Eventually, will play for the Michigan Wolverines. His name is uh, Ethan Edwards. He's a defenseman. He's ranked inside the top 100 by NHL Central Scouting, I believe 77th overall. You can get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. Saretsky, Mitchell, one-time shot, scores! Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Giant Turkey is a little over the line, my man. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to turn on the 2020 draft spotlight and chat with another player that's eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Whenever it's going to happen, we don't know at this point if it'll go at the end of June uh, as normally scheduled or if it'll get pushed back. I think we pretty much expect it's going to get pushed back uh, to some degree, but we don't know when. Um, my guest today comes from the Alberta Junior Hockey League. He's currently up in Grand Prairie, uh, but he plays for the Spruce Grove Saints. And uh, pleasure, pleasure to get to you a, a chance to chat with Ethan Edwards. Uh, Ethan, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you making the time today. Uh, I know kind of weird, uh, weird times these days. Uh, what's life like where you are? Well, I came up to Grand Prairie about a week ago. Uh, I had the opportunity to live with a trainer, so I just to get into the gym and be able to kind of make a, a normal training schedule, but uh, I'll be back in St. Albert in my, uh, <laughs> I mean, a couple dumbbell uh, set up in my garage, <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to make the most out of everything and uh, trying to make use out of my time. Well, it's it's an advantage you have then uh, with that connection up in Grand Prairie. You're able to get up there and do some, some solid off-ice training. Not a lot of guys are able to do that. I'm guessing no ice time or anything like that, though. Yeah, no, no ice, just uh, just the gym. Well, take me back to this past season for you and the Saints. Uh, the Saints, one of the uh, perennial powerhouse teams in the Canadian Junior Hockey League and certainly in the Alberta Junior League. How'd things go for uh, the Saints this past season? Uh, yeah, we were doing well, uh, especially coming up uh, after the trade deadline. We, we were really playing well and going into playoffs. Uh, we just finished our first round against Grand Prairie, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So it was uh we won that round in six games and we were going strong into the second round and, and then obviously we couldn't uh, we couldn't 
start the second round because of COVID, obviously. But, uh, I mean, the whole year, I mean, we had our ups and downs. But uh, as a group, we kind of came together around uh, uh, playoff time, and, and I was excited to see what we could do. And we were all excited and to get to that North final and, and play Sherwood Park. Well, and when the uh, the plug was pulled on the season, uh, obviously disappointing for everybody, but uh, especially for a team that was considered a contender. Uh, tell me, take me back to that day and what it was like being told. Uh, were you guys all together as a team, or, or how did it come to your attention? Yeah, it was a weird couple of days actually. It was we got rumor of it uh, one day. We had practice, and so actually the second half of practice, we just did a three-on-three tournament just to kind of have a just in case it was our last practice we just have some fun right um the next day i think it was the next day after that we we were kind of all sticking together for the last couple days and then we got final word that their season was well first it was postponed and then like a couple hours later it was canceled so uh yeah it was kind of a, a sad time we all uh got together and and then we all uh had to pack up our stalls and it was pretty sad, especially for the 20 year olds and, and the guys moving on um, guys that I won't see for sure um, for a couple of years. Anyways, um, uh, it was just, it was an emotional time, but uh, again, it was a great group of guys to spend that time with. And uh, I mean, it wasn't the, the ending that we wanted, but it was, uh, we got to say goodbye to, to each other anyways. Well, and for on a personal level, you did get to play the entire regular season, uh, 33 points this year in 50 games. It was your first full year in the AJ. You, you did play 10 games uh, the previous season, but uh, what do you think of your rookie uh, your rookie campaign in the AJHL? Yeah, I I had a a really good year. Uh, I was having fun and and uh, playing for a good team. It was it was it made it easier to put up a couple points and and play my best, anyways. Um, but yeah, my my rookie year, I, I got a little experience uh, the year before in the playoffs playing with Spruce Grove in the North Final against Shore Park, and then uh, a game in the AJHL Final against Brooks as well. Um, unfortunately, I got a concussion in game one. But uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, my rookie year, I I had a pretty good year personally. Uh, it was kind of the first time that I kind of got recognition for. I mean, to talk about it, the NHL, it's it's quite crazy uh, to think about that. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's a possibility that I could get drafted, and it, it's really exciting anyways. Well, we'll talk about the draft in a little bit, but uh, maybe uh, as we, uh, we're we speaking with Ethan Edwards uh, from the Spruce Grove Saints in the 2020 draft spotlight, let's get to know you a little bit. And I was telling you before we started that the audience is uh, across North America, so there'll be a lot of people who've Never heard of Grand Prairie and never watched the uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So let's get a bit of background. You're from Grand Prairie. How long were you there before you moved? Uh, holy, uh, I moved about six years ago. So that makes that makes me twelve. Uh, going into first year Bantam, we we moved to Saint Albert uh, as a family. My brother was up in the uh, Fort McMurray area. My dad was working in the Fort McMurray area. So it was just a, a kind of a middle point for, uh, for better hockey for myself and just a, a middle point for my family, um, more central in Alberta. So that was good. Uh, I've been in St. Albert, living in St. Albert for the past six years. Like I mentioned, uh, I played for 
St. Albert's in Bantam, and then I, I played in the CSSHL with uh, Northern Alberta Extreme for my two midget years. And then, like you mentioned, I, I'm with Spruce Grove Saints right now. And your older brother is Brett, uh, and uh, he's he's at Denver right now, isn't he? Yeah, you bet. Uh, well, I don't know about this week or where he is right now, but this past season he played uh, his freshman year uh, with the uh, Pioneers. Uh, we'll get to your choice for uh, NCAA program uh, a little bit later, but um, as a younger brother, when you first started playing and, and getting on skates as a, as a little kid, was part of it just because you wanted to follow whatever big brother was doing? I'm a little brother too, so I understand what that's like, but was that part of it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, none of my parents or, or family members have ever played hockey. Uh, it just started with my brother. So uh, I, my parents started us young and, and got us on skates, and I guess we, we've never gotten off them. We, we love the sport. So, um, and it turns out that uh, Brett, he's in Denver. So, I mean, we're not too bad at the sport either. Um, so it kind of turned out well. And yeah, I mean, having a brother that's four years older, I've always looked up to him and uh, tried to be trying to live up to the name, I guess, kind of thing. Now he's a forward. You're a defenseman. Uh, have you always been a blue liner, or did you try the uh, playing up front for a while too? <laughs> uh, I was a f- forward. I mean, starting hockey, but uh, I I switched to defense quite young. Uh, but again, I, I'm a offensive defenseman, so I, I like to jump up in the play and and create offense as well. So a bit of a rover almost. Yeah, almost, for yeah. sure. All right, well, tell me about uh, your path that led you to Spruce Grove. I know you had options. Uh, you were drafted by the Portland Winterhawks. You were drafted by the Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL. So you had options. Uh, How did you get to Spruce Grove? Yeah, I knew. Uh, my brother played in the AJHL for, well, he played all four years, but at the time it was three years. And uh, so I was going through camps and uh, – I went through a few camps and, and Spruce Grove is like 30 minutes from St. Albert. So that made my decision it was to stay at home and I get to live at home. And uh, I mean, go to school with my friends. It was kind of the whole package and play at a, such a highly regarded program in the AJHL uh, kind of made my decision easier to go to Spruce Grove and, and play my junior hockey there. Uh, being drafted in the WHL to Portland, that was, that was pretty awesome. And again, that's a great program. Um, and then the USHL, I was, uh, recently traded to Sioux city from Sioux oh. Falls. Uh, so that's, uh, that's an option as well for next year. I'm not a hundred percent sure on what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, Spruce Grove is just a highly regarded program and living at home is a, a bonus for sure. Yeah, no question. A lot of players have come through the saints and gone on to a, a collegiate success, Ian Mitchell, uh, recently, uh, one of the, another undersized offensive minded defenseman, and now he's got an NHL contract. In exactly. Back. So now tell me about, uh, I, you know, you just mentioned, uh, the USHL option for next year now being Sioux City. Um, right now you don't know what you're doing. The sheet I'm looking at says Michigan is, uh, 2021 22. So could, is, is it a possibility you could go next year or do you know for sure that that's not an option for you? No, I'm going to play one more, uh, year of junior for sure. Okay. So um, it's just whether it's uh, in Sioux City or, or Spruce? Yeah, for sure. All right. So what factors uh, do you weigh when you're trying to decide that? Um, I mean, I had a really good relationship with all the coaches in Spruce Grove. Uh, it's a tough decision. I mean, the USHL is kind of regarded to as the next level or, or um 
I don't know. It, it's it's the decision's very hard, but uh, I mean, both programs are very very highly regarded, and uh, I mean, they're going to be good teams. So, it just makes the the decision that much harder. And and having a relationship with Spruce Grove already is is a bonus. Okay, now tell me about Michigan. Now you could have followed uh, your brother to. Uh, Denver and I mentioned Ian Mitchell, but I, I know they have other guys from the AJHL uh, going there uh, pretty soon. So I don't know if the opportunity was there, uh, even uh, even if you'd wanted it or not. But uh, tell me about Michigan and and uh, why it's the right fit for you. Uh, yeah, um, I went on a few fly downs. Uh, had a couple options there, but I uh, going to Michigan was just. I mean, committing to Michigan was just a, a feel thing. When I got there, it was just wow, this is, this is amazing. And this is exactly what I want to do. Like I get the, the big school atmosphere with like the, again, such a good hockey program. So, um, I actually committed before my brother did. So it was, really, (laughs) yeah, it was a little bit of, uh, uh, I mean, that wasn't an influential part in my decision, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean Michigan is it's just uh again the hockey program is is historically unreal and uh and the, the schooling is uh, amazing as well. So I'm looking forward to it and uh yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, I get to play at Yost, one of the best atmospheres in in all of college hockey. That'll be that'll be awesome for sure. I'm I'm intrigued. He, he, Brett is 4 years older than you, but you committed before him. So did his opportunity come a lot later in his AJHL career than yours did? Yeah, so he was playing his fourth year in the AJHL, and uh, he he so he's a 21 year old freshman uh, going into Denver last year. So uh, wow. I came a little bit later. I, I committed a year before, uh, so I committed about a year and a half ago in November. Um, so yeah, I mean it's kind of weird since he's four years older, but uh, I mean yeah. we're both we're both going to college, so it's a good opportunity for both of us. Ah, fantastic for sure. Uh, now let's talk about the draft. And we, we mentioned the uncertainty of when it's going to be held. We know eventually it will happen. But uh, And you, you were saying this almost surprised you a little bit to hear your name starting to be talked about having that sort of potential. For you, I mean, I talk to a lot of players on the show, and some of them don't want to think about the draft at all because it could be a distraction, whereas other guys are looking to see where they're ranked and, and use that as a motivator almost for you. <laughs> It sounds like it's almost a surprise that you're being talked about. I mean, so how, did you, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm a little bit in between. Uh, I mean, I like to look at, uh, I mean, it's just new for me. I, I've never really been the top dog or anything. Like, I've never been. <laughs> but, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. But, uh, anyways, it's, it's a new experience for me to be even think about being drafted in the NHL. Like that's everyone's dream. So, I mean, I like to look at some of the stuff, but I mean, I just, uh, I like to just do what I'm doing and, and obviously it's working out. So I got to continue to train and, and do everything I can to be the best player I can. So when draft comes and if my name is called, uh, then I can go to camp and, and improve myself. 77th overall in North America for uh, Central Scouting right now. Uh, now, for those uh, fans who are or audience that is listening to this and has never seen you play, um, tell us a bit about your game. You, you touched on it briefly that you're an offensive-minded guy, and we threw out your stats, but uh, stats don't always tell the whole story. So uh, give us a picture of what Ethan Edwards is all about as a player. 
Cool. Uh, yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm a defenseman, um, uh, a guy that likes to jump up in the rush and create some offense, uh, help out on both ends of the ice. Uh, I like to be relied on in both ends of the ice, uh, whether it's, uh, penalty killing or power play. Uh, I like to do both and, uh, I like to be relied on whenever in any situation. Uh, so whenever coach calls on me, I know that I can go out there and, and he can, he can trust me, uh, I think, in any situation. Sheet I'm looking at says 5'10 and 165 pounds. Are those close to accurate anymore? Uh, it's close. I'm about 5'11 and 170. 170 and 5'11, okay. Uh, do you think you're done growing taller? I hope not. I think I'm growing a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you bet. Your offensive numbers, nine goals and 24 assists. Um, when you talk about being an offensive guy, are you the guy who sets up the shooter? Because you know, nine goals in 50 games, I don't get necessarily that you're the trigger guy on the power play, but maybe you feed that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. Um, throughout the year, it's just it's a little bit of both. I mean, I like to shoot the puck, but uh, making that nice pass or the even just getting the puck up quick out of the defensive zone is, is what I focus on and create an offense like that. Um, I mean, I, I like to have a little, a little bit of fancy, uh, fancy play in my game, but, uh, other than that, I'm just setting up my teammates and, and getting the puck out of the D zone to create that, uh, offense. The world junior A challenge experience, getting to, uh, to wear a maple leaf on your chest like that. Was that the first time you got to represent, well, I guess half the country? <laughs> Yeah, no, that was uh, that was amazing as well. Just just to put on that jersey, it just felt surreal. So it was a really good experience, and to wear the Maple Leaf was was awesome. How do you think you played in that event? Um, I thought I played well. Um, I mean, it, it was a, a tricky tournament. To there's so many good guys there, and uh, so I mean, with the ice time that I was given and and uh, the opportunity that I was given, I, I thought I played well. Ethan, listen, I uh, appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, thanks to your agent for uh, helping set this up, and I uh, wish you the. I mean, your advisor. Don't want to. Uh, <laughs> don't want to cross the line there, but uh, wish you the best of luck. Whatever happens at the draft, and whatever your choice is for next season, I hope we can chat again. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Ethan Edwards, defenseman with the Spruce Grove Saints. Thanks to uh, Scott Norton, his uh, agent or advisor, for uh, setting up that interview. Uh, for the Pipeline show this week. Also seeing some interesting debate recently or lately on uh, Twitter or social media, but Twitter mostly, uh, about uh, some of the AJHL guys who are eligible and where Edwards fits in with that mix. 77th for Central Scouting. I think that's about 20 spots after uh, Michael Benning, defenseman with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, but I have seen some people suggest that maybe Edwards is the, uh, the best guy out of the AJ this year. You've got Carter Savoy as well. Uh, with Short Park, uh, not a defenseman, but uh, just in terms of the top guy out of the AJHL this year. Uh, and I'm told Ethan Edwards and uh, Mike Benning, and probably Carter Savoy for that matter, uh, all uh, like pretty good friends grew up together. Not that that's going to factor into where guys are drafted, but just interesting. And it's good for the AJHL, uh, some high caliber players who are uh, coming out of the league once again. An interesting fit for... Uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last AJHL guy that played at Michigan. And usually the Canadians that go there are from, you know, Southern Ontario, seemingly of some sort of Italian descent. But I'm sure somebody uh, will be able to tell me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee, some examples of other uh, former Michigan Wolverines 
who have come from uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Okay, that's uh, the two guests for this week's show. That means it's uh, time to wrap things up. Uh, I apologize. A bit shorter of a, a show than normal, and quite frankly, shorter of a show than I would have liked, but uh, efforts to get another guest or two this week, at least, uh, did not bear fruit. I have a number of uh, invites out to players who are draft eligible this year, some of them in Europe, and those are you know, are tough to set up at the best of times. Uh, but a couple of guys here in North America as well. Um, but who knows? I might uh, be able to get all of them uh, sooner as opposed to later. One, the other you know, part that's uh, been a, uh, a trick for me to work around is, uh, like a lot of people, uh, your spouse might be working from home right now, or you and your spouse might both be working from home, and, and that's not the normal for you. Uh, but for me, I am the stay-at-home dad, and I do work from home. Uh, but my wife right now is also working from home. And uh, because we live way out in the country, uh, we are stuck with satellite internet. And we're talking about, you know, 30 megabytes per second bandwidth. And uh, she is a, well, I won't tell you exactly what she does, but she, uh, with her job, she's spending a lot of time doing video conferencing and face-to-face stuff. And doing that, which basically she's doing it for most of the day, that uses up a lot of bandwidth. So when she's online, um, you know, my kids, my kid, my son can't do his uh, schoolwork, uh, which is also online right now, and I can't do any interviews. Uh, so I'm we're, we're all working around her schedule. So it's been a more of a challenge for me uh, to set up interviews. Uh, so my guests the last month or so have been really flexible with their time. I, you know, I'm setting it up, and I'm like, I'll text you when I know. I'll, I might know with only about 10 minutes notice that I have the next 40 minutes, you know. Uh, and so I appreciate the guests that have come on because they've been really flexible uh, and uh, helping me work around the schedule uh, that I have. So when it comes to next week's show, and usually I'd be able to tell you what I have planned, uh, I don't. I mentioned uh, I'll try to get Adam Woden from College Hockey News on to talk about the uh, Long Island University Sharks joining Division One since it's a uh, in his backyard, I'll try to do that, uh, and I'd like to have uh, at least one, if not two, 2020 draft spotlights, but really it is all dependent on who's available on short notice uh, because of the schedule that I have. Uh, lastly, again, thank you to uh, all the patrons who have signed up and uh, are supporting the show. I'm glad that you love the show and uh, that you want to contribute. Uh, I really appreciate your help. I don't want to feel like I'm begging, but uh, those who have signed up, it's two bucks a month and uh, you get early access to all the interviews on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Other than just putting the show together, if there's something I can do for you, uh, please let me know. You can uh, go th- message me through Patreon or you can send me messages on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee there uh, or on Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N is how you spell Patreon. It's not P-A-Y-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And lastly, as uh, the world seems to be starting to slowly move towards, you know, reopening things to get the economy going, I wish everybody good health. Uh, take care of each other. Be kind to each other. Seeing so many horror stories on uh, on social media, uh, especially things happening in the States right now. Of course, big tragic event recently in Nova Scotia in in my country I beg you everybody is on pins and needles and everybody is stressed out Uh, have some compassion for your fellow person the first responders and the essential workers uh, in all of our communities they deserve a ton of credit a ton of respect if you come across any of those people thank them 
and treat your neighbor with respect and courtesy. Uh, and it's cliche, but we'll all get through it together eventually. Uh, and I, I just don't want us to rush into anything and all the progress we've made, suddenly we have to take a step backwards. Uh, that would suck. So let's all be smart. Uh, take care of yourselves, take care of your families, and let's take care of each other. Until next week, uh, here on the Pipeline Show, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya. See ya.